Welcome to Ausfilm Creatives, a podcast about Australian creatives working behind the camera. My name is Peter Sylvester and I'm your host. Welcome back to this episode of Ausfilm Creatives and I'm super excited to have Donald McAlpine ACS ASC on uh, this uh, episode and uh, if you don't know who he is well uh, just look back at some of his amazing work he's shot films like uh, Predator, Moulin Rouge, uh, Patriot Games, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, X-Men Origins and his career spans over 50 years and uh, yeah I've been a huge fan of his work for a long time and I'm very pleased to have him on board so hopefully you'll enjoy as well. Welcome to the show Don, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm a huge fan of your work and uh, you've been uh, you know a long long running career so yeah welcome. Thank you. Uh, I, I wanted to start a little bit about your, your past, I don't really know much about it other than what good old Wikipedia tells you. Um, so initially, were you into filmmaking or, or were you a big fan of films when you first kind of got interested in it? Well, my first sort of um, boyhood hobby was photography. Built, own dark, built my own dark room, got nearly electrocuted half a dozen times trying to build an enlarger and <laughs> all that sort of crap. Uh, and um, that carried through and uh, trying to get, get around it as quickly. High school, I matriculated at high school and um, I've, then I went share farming for a year and then I went overseas for a year. Uh, then I came back and started to train uh, as a physical education teacher at Sydney University and uh, became a physical education teacher. Um, the main reason I did that because I, we had no money uh, and um, I used to pay to go to university in those days instead of charging as they do now. Uh, and um, so I became a school teacher. I taught uh, physical education and it parallel with all this, it became obvious that my ability as a photographer could transfer to cinematography. So I started to shoot first eight mil little training films, and then 16 mil, uh, I graduated to that. And uh, and uh, eventually I, I ended up in uh, ABC television on an excursion with a bunch of kids I brought up from the country to p- compete for the city school. And um, just on the spur of the moment, uh, went into an office and... Um, said, you know, what if I got the end of the world on film? By then I had a 16mm camera and they were sort of totally disinterested. <laughs> and uh, and they'd, but he said, where are you from? And I told him I was teaching at Parks, Central New South Wales then, and he looked up at a map and there was no little red flags anywhere near Parks <laughs> and he took moderate interest and he said, are you any good? And I said, I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, he... Um, he said, well, yeah, I'm busy. Here's four 100-foot rolls. Here's a phone number. Ring us up. Uh, tell us what you want to shoot and um, we'll approve it or not. And uh, 
you'll shoot it. If it's any good, we'll pay you money. If it's no good, you can have what film's left over and uh, we'd never see you again. Mm. And anyway, I did that and I shot a film about the uh, transfer of uh, steam locomotives to diesel, which was happening at Parks, the town I was teaching at the time. There was a big uh, locomotive terminal there and um, they used the footage. Uh, they paid me nearly as much as I got as a week as a school teacher and um, and that was the beginning of the rot. Wow. Uh, the, uh, uh, about a year or so later, the headmaster uh, uh, came down and said, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, excrete is going to hit the fan and some's going to splash on me. You're supposed to be teaching full time and you're doing this other stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and I rang the ABC and they, they, they virtually offered me a job. Very nice. And, uh, so, so I, I was in then as, as an assistant cameraman. Um, the pay was about comparable with a teacher, uh, but of course they had this wonderful thing called overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you you made uh, 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 more money, uh, and um, and of course I I did find it quite stimulating and rewarding to realise that you know the stuff I shot with my little Bell and Hal hand crank camera would be viewed by you know maybe a million people that evening, mm. uh, and um, it's that sort of knowledge that you have an audience that you, you can entertain or manipulate or whatever it is has uh, um, driven me ever since. Wow, and uh, yeah, by the sound of it, so you're completely self-taught. Is that right, or you've had some formal training? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Totally self-taught. Wow. Actually, uh, to a degree, uh, my f- uh, film school was um, comics, comic books. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, in actual fact, if you analyse it, they, they use a very, very s- similar structure of framing mm. uh, to tell stories of wide shots, close-ups, and and all the rest of it. And um, it, 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 way back then it occurred to me that this, this, was, this is what you've got to do. You've got to, you know, you've got to take <coughs> a lot of shots from a lot of different angles and it's got to make some lo- there's got to be some logic to the reason you make those choices. Mm. And that's basically what I've done ever since. Yeah. Well, I think that a part of being a cinematographer probably is the case that you've kind of kind of have a national natural instinct for framing and lighting. Um, so I guess you must have recognised that early in your in your career and your interest. So when you kind of focused on cinematography, what did you what do you love about that role as a, being a cinematographer? Well. I, I get a lot of personal satisfaction just out of, uh, of, of, of of doing the job, and I can't explain that too clearly. Uh, uh, I get a lot of satisfaction out of knowing that I have an audience that I'm entertaining or informing or both, uh, and... Um, and of course, uh, in the early days, um, uh, 
it, it, it was a great way for me to make money. Um, uh, that became less of a problem the more money I made. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, sometimes uh, the more money you make, the more money you spend, but if you're good, you save it. <laughs> um, yeah, actual fact, I, I, I was virtually working for you know, a period of uh, 30, 40 years mm. in which I didn't have a chance to spend any money. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard for people to realise now what Hollywood was in its heyday. Uh, we were getting the equivalent of forty dollars to $50,000 a week. Wow. Uh, and they were paying every expense we had in per diems. So, you know, all this money just accumulated. Um, and, you know, I, one day I woke up and I was wealthy. <laughs> uh, it, I, I was surprised as much as anyone else. Yeah. Um, well, at least you worked for yeah, it. No, it's so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, it, 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 it was almost uh, a byproduct of what I was doing because I, I was having a great, great time uh, leading this rather interesting and exciting life. Mm. And, and actually really doing something. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the wealth became a pleasant surprise, which I'm still enjoying. And the during, uh, well, any time in the process when you were becoming a cinematographer, was there some something that really made you go, yep, this is what I want to be? Was there an event that really changed your mindset about your direction? No, it's... My whole career has been a, a series of uh, um, happy accidents. Uh, I've, 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 never, I've never truly promoted myself because I've never had to. Uh, it, just, it just, each event seemed to follow the other, um, all of which I realised only in retrospect. At the time, I had no idea. Uh, where it was all going, you know, from mm. from the fact that um, uh, that even from that first accident at the ABC, uh, right right through to uh, shooting my first Australian film, basically incidental there because I, I was chief cameraman at Film Australia at that time in my career, uh, which was uh, a big maker of films. Uh, the, the uh, versus the biggest in the country, and um, um, yeah, uh, a, a, a guy came to me to ask about uh, what crew members I had could shoot a film, a feature film, because none had been done in Australia for years, uh, and I gave him three uh, three of my staff samples of three of my staff's work, and um, he came back and said that Bruce Beresford, the director, had seen a little documentary I'd shot, which I'd shot totally uh, illicitly uh, with the, uh, the company's equipment and film and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. uh, a little documentary about uh, drugs, No Roses for Michael, uh, which won a few awards. Uh, and uh, Bruce saw it and, uh, and basically offered me the... The, to shoot that that first film, so two weeks later I was in London 
uh, uh, shooting my first feature film. Wow, that's crazy. And you, you had a quite a long relationship with Bruce Beresford's, like his... Um, yeah, yeah, his... I mean, basically, um, um, I gave up working with Bruce only because we just knew to each other too well in, in uh, <laughs> the world of cinema. We would start a movie and almost never talk to each other because we we knew what the other was was what we expected of each other yeah. in in that process. And um, it sort of occurred to me that uh, it'd be interesting to see how other people make movies. Mm. But we're still the best of friends. Yes, yeah. Well, I I recently read his book. I think it's an older book now, but the the movie. I think it was called the movie that never was. I don't know if you've seen that book. Yeah, he wrote that. It was quite fun. It's little uh, nuggets from all parts of his life. Quite interesting man. And um, yeah, you worked with a few other Australian like Philip Noyce and um, you, and obviously in, in Australia. So you were kind of in the eighties doing a lot of eighties. Uh, sorry, a lot of Australian films, but you were starting to do American films. And yeah. what was that transition when you when when you ended up in Hollywood? Was was it for you? Um, was it a big decision to go? Okay, now I'm I'm going that way. Or were you, or were you just on the train and you're just going with it? No, it 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 it, it once once again it was, it was quite a different world. Mm. Uh, um, the American industry was totally insular. You know, there was no mm. very few outsiders got into it, right? Um, and it was only through a whole sequence of events, once again, that I wasn't aware of. Uh, uh, I shot a couple of American films in uh, uh, the Philippines, you know, little B-grade films yeah. up there for people. But uh, that at least gave me a reference in America. Well, I had referees in America. And um, and then, once again, the happy accident was that three of my Australian films, probably three of my better Australian films, all ended up in New York within a week. Wow. And uh, the uh, papers, including the New York Times, noted they were all shot by this one cinematographer. Uh, and uh, on the basis of that, Paul Mazursky rang me at three o'clock in the morning to uh, uh, ask me to shoot uh, Tempest, and uh, and the, through that that film, Tempest, uh, <clears throat> I, I was sort of immediately put onto the uh, well, yeah, basically the A list of cinematographers in, in the states. So uh, once again, just a happy. <laughs> happy flow that you just put your feet in the handlebars and keep going downhill. It's it's um, you know that's that's the way it happened, and uh, yeah. you know I, I can't uh, claim any um, yeah yeah you know, it, wow. it just happened around me. Yeah, but you know your your work does speak of itself, so obviously yeah yeah I mean you've, you've, yes you've, you've, you've yeah I, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 the honest truth is, I never quite really understand what I do. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, obviously, um, in those early days, 
I used to operate. That that's something you can comprehend. Uh, and and you obviously direct the lighting, and you uh, you suggest and direct the whatever the camera does. Um, but uh, why you do it, or how you do it, or what's the real? It's just whatever you think is right on the that that instant. Mm. And um, and the the fact is, there's been I've been able to either uh, satisfy or fool enough people on the <laughs> <laughs> on the way uh, that um, you know I've I've had the uh, uh, career I've had. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Natural instinct, I think, plays a lot in it. And you know, if you try to calculate it too much, I think you you probably don't let the film breathe the way well, that you it know, should. The, the, the was, there was no film schools here in Australia mm. at that point. Um, you know, the, you you did learn on the job, <laughs> um, and and. You know, in in retrospect, it's it's been a uh, a great way to learn. I've I've uh, I've had no regrets. Uh, I uh, I think this um, film school um, almost fetish. You know, mm. we we have and I, I participate. I lecture um, in in uh, West Australia and a lot of places. And um, you know, it's it's. Just look around, and you you see all these brilliant young people, and you do do wonder what industry is going to absorb them. Mm. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I guess generally I've been proved wrong. I, the, the whole visual uh, <clears throat> visual area has has expanded, you know. Beyond, uh, beyond you know what I ever thought it could become, and and uh, it's so many streams and so many different things that I mean when when I started, well there was no no film industry in Australia. Mm. Uh, there were newsreels and some very very stilted and and very infrequent documentaries. Uh, uh, and commercials for the cinema. That that that, that was it, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh, that probably involved less than a hundred people all over the country. That'd be a crude guess, but that that's the sort of feeling that we had. There was just yeah. yeah. There might have been there might have been ten people who call themselves cameramen in all Australia. Mm. Yeah, so there was a well, yeah, it was kind of like a bit of a wild, wild west for filmmaking. Really, you do whatever you wanted <laughs> back then, almost. Yeah, but you still have to get somebody to pay for that bloody film. Yes, and pay for it way. <laughs> <laughs> so you really, when you moved to to America, what are some of the things that you really noticed the difference in in the way I guess we worked in Australia to working in say you know especially working let's say your first Hollywood blockbuster which is like Predator like how was how was it did it was it any different really or, or was it just you were just learning oh and- look, Predator was was a little for me Predator Predator was a nothing right uh, uh, 
in, in, when when I started. Um, <clears throat> prior to that, I'd, I'd worked, you know, uh, on a fair few, uh, a, a massive Hollywood uh, productions, and uh, of course, the the Americans are. They'll never admit it, but they're a lot like the Germans. They are—they're uh, more conformists than they ever realise. Uh, mm. If you're—if if you go out there with the name of director of photography, you're—you're you're the director of photography. There's no. You know, you 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 you, you carry the prestige, the honour, the authority. Uh, I wouldn't matter if you had two heads and you know were an Eskimo. It it mm. it wouldn't matter. They they would they would uh, put up with you, uh, do what you told them to do, uh, and and uh, because the whole thing seems to, particularly in America, is is a, is a sort of rolling ritualistic thing and and the movies sort of showed it a little bit and that 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 was the hard battle to to get them to deviate in any way away from the standard format of making movies mm. um i i did it a little bit but you know not i i realized that you know i i wasn't going to change that world uh mm. and i still had you know amazing fun uh, uh, shooting those movies, and you know, it was it was I, I really had no crew problems at all. I mean, the problem is always there were just so many of them, mm. and uh, uh, I realised after a while there were so many, so they could work so many hours. You'd have electrics and grips actually sleeping. Back on the trucks. Wow! Uh, yeah, you know, when while you're working your 16-hour day, they'd work sort of uh, bits and pieces of the day, and to keep up with you. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm working. I'm, I was basically sitting down most of the time. But you know, that's 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 the way they manage the long days. Have long, big crews and sort of uh, rest during the day. Wow. And breaks. <laughs> I've got a little fun question to ask about Predator. I always wondered how you felt when you saw uh, Van Damme getting that awful suit, the first suit that they had for Predator before they got their really well-designed one. What was your thoughts when you saw that, when you started rolling and you're like, hmm? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, um, the, well, first of all, Van Damme was fired. Hmm. I don't know whether you know that. It, uh, that was the end of him. But uh, talking about the suit, Joel Silver, the producer, and I, um, I, I, used to, I, I used to love Joel. He was an incredible character, absolutely devious in every way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd sort of joke with Joel on the way to work. We, we used to travel to work together occasionally. And he'd uh, he'd tell me three things, and I'd say, "Joel, you've told me three things. I know one's a lie. I know one's truth. But what's the third? Because <laughs> he just he was he'd lie about everything. You know. Yeah. Anyway, he said we went back to a hotel one evening. He said, "Come and have a look at this." So I went with him to a room 
and we were in Mexico at the time uh, at, at the hotel we were staying at and uh, I walked in and here's this suit, the green suit. And he said, what do you think of it? And I said, it looks like a guy in a rat suit. You know? <laughs> and he, uh, he sort of said, he, he abused me, you know, all the rest. But I said, well, then you asked me what I bloody thought. Now. <laughs> and uh, that was that. And that, that, was, that was on a, a Wednesday. We shot with it on the Friday. Um, and... Uh, and the studios saw it Monday morning and rang Joel and said, it's terrible. It looks like a guy in a rat suit. <laughs> and from that day to this, Joel is convinced that I rang the studio. Oh, no. Said, this is <laughs> but I never did. But they used exactly the same words. Mm. And we closed, closed the movie down. We, 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 were, we were all on a plane on Tuesday. That was Monday. We're all on the plane on Tuesday, uh, heading for home, and we got together a year later to finish it. Wow! Yeah, just because of the suit. Uh, and in actual fact, it was was that's that's why that's why predator. I mean, predator. At that point, predator could have just never been made. Mm. They could have just uh, wiped out their losses, um, and uh, uh, it it went. Uh, we, we came back that, that year later and uh, finished the damn thing. You know? yeah. and, it, and it was much better because uh, uh, the director had the chance to go away and cut the footage he had and present it to the studio and say, look, this is what i got so far. Mm. And they, they were inspired by that and gave him enough money. You know, I think they gave him probably five times the amount of money he had to end the film in the first place, to do it the second time, and that's that's why it, uh, yeah, it's it's been the success it has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's just that one little key that it needed. Of, of like you said, it it, it uh, rolled on from from then onwards. Like you know, obviously replacing the suit, but that allowed him to cut together, a, a, you know, a film and and make it work even better and get more money. So it's pretty amazing. But yeah, like you you did a Great job on that. And were you shooting a sort of a high-speed film on that to try and? Um, yeah, well, it's very interesting. And uh, you know, I, I had uh, uh, a full crew, the whole thing, lighting, all the rest. Was, and, but in the jungle, there's no lighting, mm. no lighting at all, because it was totally impractical. Yeah, uh, because. All, all you did was put put you put up a light and you get shadows of trees all over the place. <laughs> uh, and in actual fact, the whole lot down in the undergrowth, it was uh, I can remember it's two eight uh, on a hundred ASA, yeah, two eight on a hundred ASA, and uh, and it, it it worked damn busters, uh, you know, uh, that that was it. Mm. And it was very, very simple. We just ran around all day shooting everything without virtually any light at all. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, turned out well. I, it's sort of the, the, yeah, I've shot a little bit. Well, the film that I shot was all a lot of it in the, in the forest. So I kind of, yeah, you realise you can only just shoot with the light you've got and off you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a bit of a shock the first time you find it out. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah, I'll get this in and get that in. No. <laughs> and working in during the 90s, you, you obviously ended up working with a lot more big films. Um, was that, that, that sort of period for you kind of really you know, I, I, your golden age of working on films because you got to play with a lot of yeah, different styles? I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great, great time, uh, you know, and it, you were working with an agent and you were, uh, it, it was the whole sort of Hollywood bit. Um, but I, I never... I never considered uh, living in the state, um, and I'm very pleased that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably um, my career may have stayed at a higher level longer, but in, in actual fact, um, you know, it, it, I, yeah, I, I much prefer my life back here, and um, I'm, I, I get as much fun. And kick out of shooting a, uh, a, a an extremely low budget film as I do, probably shooting actually more than shooting the bit. I mean, the last big budget thing I did was Ender's Game, mm. which was was great fun. But you know, it's it's just a whole whole level of uh, your 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 work is not. As direct as it is in a small film, mm. you you, I mean you can you contribute far more in a small film. You have the opportunity and and required to than than you do on something like Ender's Game or any major, mm. because so many other decisions are made in in the big bigger productions. Yeah, yeah particularly and when we've got into special effects now, something like Narnia. You know, we mm. we had the whole, whole film. Uh, pre-visualized mm. in, in pretty detailed animation, with with ten people working full time for three months to do the whole, virtually the whole movie was was pre-visualized. Mm. And uh, a- Andrew and Adamson and I would even every day we'd start shooting, we'd nearly always depart from this work. Mm. But it was fantastic we had it because we always knew we had to get back to a certain frame of the pre-visualization or we get totally lost mm. in, in production. So the, it, it, we had the beginning and the end shot of the day, <laughs> basically, and, and, and was up to us to do better than they could do. Uh, and and we, 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 we tried to every day. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the wonderful thing. About my job is that cooperation between you, you and the director. It's a, it, it's a working relationship. Um, I'm, I'm sure it happens in many endeavours, but it 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 is one one of the uh, when it's really working well, it is is fantastic. Mm. And uh, well, I, I thought. Uh, cover a couple of uh, films of yours in a bit more detail um so i wanted to uh, talk about uh, moulin rouge which is interesting about pre-visualization pre-visualization because um the baz luhrmann's imagery on, on most of his films is quite you know quite energetic quite out there 
So was there a lot of like sort of storyboarding and previsualization when you when you came on board? Oh, and- that, that was an entirely different approach. Yeah. Uh, unlike Moulin Rouge, uh, I spent a year in pre-production. Wow. Uh, not not full time. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go and hear a script reading with with all the the actors. This is like almost a year before, and continue right through. Um, you'd be in watching the rehearsals of the dance team, and we'd be devising shots and all the rest of it there. Uh, uh, but the really key to all Baz's films is uh, his production designer, mm-hmm. his wife, uh, who who actually does these amazing pieces of artwork which are framed from the film. Mm. And from those frames, it was amazing the inspiration, well, I got. I can only talk about me. Mm. Uh, and But I could see exactly what sort of a film she, and I, I must have used bad, had, had in their mind mm. just from this one frame from the scene, and uh, and that that would dictate the style of the lighting, uh, and to a degree the camera work from the, the energy she she had from those. Now that that's <clears throat> that's the clue to all uh, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It is. Um, well, if it's a year in pre-production, uh, you must have really planned out the camera work. Was there? Uh, was there many no. cameras? <laughs> no. 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 There were four cameras. Wow. All the. I mean, wait there. Uh, on a dramatic scene, you know, there may have been two, but well, I, ha- I had four cameras available all the time. Wow. Uh, full crews, and. Uh, um, yeah, for, for, for all the dance numbers, we, we would just go for day after day after day on the one dance number. And I'd set up four camera positions and we'd do one or two takes, all the dancers would sit down and rest, and then I'd set up another four camera positions. And this could go on for three or four days on the one dance wow. number. When you hear Roxanne for about <coughs> a week. <laughs> <laughs> non-stop oh. it, uh, it, uh, it does things to you um, so yeah that's that's the way it, it was actually done um, um, every every angle was covered I mean uh, even to the point where um, they decided they what we were really missing were footlights I said well footlights are where people are static on the stage mm. that's where footlights I mean, these, these people aren't static on the stage. They're moving all over the dance floor. Yeah. That's what you want, that energy. Mm. And, and, and eventually I came back and I, I got um, two Elamac dollies and put uh, about 20-foot uh, footlights hooked onto the front of them and, and the grips pushing them. So they, they just moved in front of the, mm. the dance grip to give Footlight effect through the through several of the numbers. Yeah, we, we, we actually we actually managed to get on occasions this footlight effect, and it and and it worked very very well. Mm. I, I mean, 
it, it, a film like that is is amazing in in that um, uh, you know the the, uh, the sets finished probably three or four days before you need it, and um, then I'd I'd take my gaffer and you know at that point he's uh, uh, the the gaffer is as key to you as you are to the director mm-hmm. and. Uh, we would then organise the pre-light and the, the rigging crew would come in and do days and days of pre-rigging and, you know, it, it was, it was um, a massive exercise in, mm. in that area um, and it, it paid off. I think we made, mm. we made a, a very interesting film. Oh, yeah. Um, it, and, you know, it was all not based on but it, it had its origins all in Romeo and Juliet. Mm. In uh, in the work work pattern, I mean, they're different, totally different films. But yeah, well, it had Baz Luhrmann's touch on it, so of course. <laughs> um, so with the the as, as you mentioned before, the production designers sort of informed your lighting. So, what are some of the approaches that you decided to take with how you wanted to light it? I, you know, obviously, I. Because it being a lot of it was on stage, it was kind of had that feeling of you know spotlight hitting the person. But then I I saw there all the interior shots, the bit the, like in the bedrooms and stuff. It was very you know warm lit and really beautiful soft lighting. So, but it still managed to maintain that that uh, that style in a way. So yeah, I guess what was some of the things you you decided to to do with the lighting. You know that I find that very hard to explain. Uh, I it it really is just going in and 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 sensing what the scene requires, mm. and then doing it. Mm. You know, it, it's it's um, it's partly pre-planned in your head, but only in in a vision, not in a. Not in a detailed lighting plan or anything like that, um, but you know, yeah, it's. I think it's it's far more than improvisation, but there there is an element of improvisation in it. Mm. Um, but it it really is just that judgment, you know, that mm. this looks bloody right for this scene as I've read it in the script. I've seen the actors' performance so far, mm. and all the rest of it, and, and you just go in and. And and do it, you know. Mm. And you, you turn this light off. You turn that light back on. You turn this light off. <coughs> you move this one around a bit, and yeah, that's that's better. That's better. That's better. And then your gaff will come up and say, you know, what about so and so? And say, oh, maybe let's try it. And and, and you, you 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 get there, and mm. uh, and you get asked to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. If, as long as you have the image in your head, I suppose, which I think what yeah. you're saying is that you've got that shot in your head, you've just got to translate it and yeah. put it on, on the thing. That There's no formula for it. It's just let's try to make it look like what, what the director and you see. Yeah. So, for, for me to go in and say you had an absolute detailed lighting plan and a camera plan, it's sterile. You know, it, yeah. it's... Uh, Anyway, it doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. 
I'm 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 sure it works for some. Mm. I think that that if you can allow your your creativity to come through that, I think that's important because yeah, like you said, it can become a bit sterile, and you might try to light like somebody else rather than just light what you see. Um, so it's really important, I think. No, no. I, 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 I basically, you know, you haven't asked, but a lot of people ask me about what's my style, and I, I say I have no style. <laughs> uh, I, I have. I mean, the style comes from what's in front of me. Uh, I, I, I don't. Imp- I have never tried to impose uh, uh, a style on something. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. And I noticed in the film as well there was a lot of speed ramping um, in the in the shots. Was that a lot of it in camera that you? Post. Oh, it was all post. post. It was all post. I was wondering about yeah. that because I was watching and going. Jill, Jill, Jill Cole, you know, manufactures those the both those films, Romeo and Juliet, and Yeah, I mean, she manufactures them out of the out of the piece. I mean, we've got to give her the pieces, but. Yeah, the way she the way she uh, manipulates it is is um, is is, a, is, a, is an amazing gift that uh, mm. a person can have. You know, she she, I mean, the films. Um, you know, you you pre you you're visualizing the result all the time you're shooting it, uh, but with Jill Billcock, she adds a, an absolute. Massive and, and and another dimension to mm. what you pre-visualized, generally for the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, she's you know? that, that, that. Yeah, that's why I was wondering if that was a post thing because back then it was still early days for do, mucking around yeah. with digital post kind of work like that. But no, no, it looked great. And I guess you touched on it a little bit. Like this one was fairly large budget film for, especially. Well, I guess it's an Aussie film, but it. US film. So yeah, working on these really large projects. What are some of the pros and cons you you love about working on a large project as per se a small project? Because oh, working on a project, big project, generally the food's better. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, no, no. The, it, I, I go back to what I said earlier. Uh, it's working on a big project is you know there's there's a certain. Um, Grandeur in 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 the project and the the fact that you have you know, virtually unlimited resources and all the rest of it, but there is is a lack there's a lack of um, a relative lack of personal involvement, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, and yeah, so whereas in 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 some of these smaller films I've worked on, you know, uh, what's gone up on the screen has been what the director and I finished, wanted. I mean, nobody else, nobody else has virtually participated, mm. and uh, and that that's that's its own reward too. Mm. Even though the food's not quite as good occasionally, but it's <laughs> never too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the important bit: good food. <laughs> Um, and, and talking about a work, working on a small, well, I guess it's smaller project, uh, and almost, well, I'd say ten years later, or maybe even fifteen, yeah. um, the dressmaker. I want to talk a little bit about that. So, I guess initially, 
what attracted you to this particular story? I mean, I know there's a book, so maybe you might have known about it, but, yeah, was there anything? Um, I certainly didn't know the book. Um, the, um, I'd worked with uh, PJ Hogan mm. uh, and uh, Jocelyn Morehouse on Peter Pan and Mendel, uh, so I knew them very, very well. Mm. And... Um, I, when Jocelyn offered me the chance to do this, I, I jumped at it. Um, you know, uh, once again, we had a wonderful pre-production, mostly in the back of my uh, car, they were, uh, where we drove all over Victoria and New South Wales looking for the, the town, mm. and we never, ever found it. No. But in the process, we, we found the film. In other words, with the discussion, I think I understood the film incredibly well. Oh, uh, and that, that, that was important. Mm. Um, Roger Ford built us this amazing little town uh, yeah, just outside Melbourne and, um, and lots of one massive. Uh, thing came our way. We we wanted an actual sunburnt country. We wanted a brown uh, piece of country, and we were just outside Melbourne. And everyone said, you know, at a certain time in winter, coming up around about now, I guess it was, the grass all goes brown. Mm. Well, they built the town, the whole thing went, and we're terrified because it's green as green as Ireland. <laughs> and uh, uh, poor Jocelyn's just about, you know, distraught by this this thing. And, and we, the weekend before we started, or the week before we started, there was a massive cold freeze change comes and it all just went brown. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a massive omen that we were, uh, the, the, the gods were with us. Uh, <laughs> and I think they, they were in, in that. The casting was fantastic. Performances were fantastic. Uh, it was great fun to work on. Uh, and, um, you know, once again, you know, um, I'm, I think I made the, jo- the film that Jocelyn had in her mind mm-hmm. uh, way, ways before we shot it. So, you know, that, that, that pleases me immensely that, I think I shot the film, and of course, it pleased me immensely that it gained a pretty good audience. Mm, yeah, it did really well. And uh, so, this one film uh, was about uh, five years in uh, with digital cameras, especially with the Ari Alexas. Well, for you, uh, from what I understand, you're quite uh, happy to move towards digital. So, what was that like filming this film? <coughs> oh, from oh God, way way. From from the almost the week Canon built out the first EOS, I think it was a D three. They called it then. Uh, I bought one of their cameras because I was still involved in stills mm. uh, gratification. And uh, parallel to that, I started to use uh, a device put out by Panavision. Anyway, it was a 
a massive big Nikon still camera <coughs> with all sorts of uh, computer software and you were supposed to be able to interpret the lighting and it was shit. I mean, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, um, it, it was just a total, total con. You know, I mean, they, they were trying, but it didn't work. Mm. Uh, and uh, the um, um, so I, I got this Canon camera just totally separate at the same time. And a couple of times I'd had it on set and just take shots of the scenery. Uh, and then I'd look at the computer and say, shit, that looked like the Dalys I saw this, you know, yesterday. Mm. They, the, there was a, a great matching between what was coming up on my computer and what the uh, digital camera was showing, you know. I mean, it had to adjust it a bit for the lighting and all the rest of it. Yeah. But, but if, if you did adjust it, uh, it, it and this, this then became a tool. I, I, in the next film, I had a computer on set and uh, you know, I'd, I'd take the stills and go over and, and I, I found it very, very <clears throat> advantageous on big lighting setups where you could take a still and uh, go over to your computer totally away from the um, influence of the, the actual set, the people, the lights and the roof and the whole lot. You mm. just had this scene and you could study it and say, you know, that's, that corner's down a bit. You know, this, bring this side up a bit or, you know, there's something wrong here. You know, it, it just it, the colour could be better. Let's put a bit more blue back in that area there, and um, it, it it became a very great uh, tool. Just the still camera for I'd say probably at least twenty productions before digital came out. Mm. So I I basically had a pretty good uh, transition from. Uh, Film to digital on on this this screen. I started to see, um, you know, what what the differences were and, and what the similar similarities were. Mm. And um, I tried to shoot digital for years before they ever let me. Producers wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I, for all sorts of motives. I won't go into. Them. Uh, and um, yeah, so it, uh, when when I eventually got, uh, I on, uh, I used the first digital on a, a movie called Mental. Mm. We got our our first red camera on a Thursday, and the second one was Saturday morning, and we started shooting Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, was we, we 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 didn't miss a beat. Mm. Uh, fortunately, I had a good assistant who. Knew the camera pretty well. I'm, I mean, I, I didn't know the camera, but um, I, I, I immediately comprehended what its um, limitations and uh, and advantages were. And it, you know, it, the digital has just been a massive tool for uh, for me to improve uh, uh, my cinematography. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I know there's, you know, romantic and, you know, I, I 
I kind of learned on film as well. So I do love film from one respect that you kind of have to know your craft and, you know, you're, you can be more instinctual and just and know that you're knocking it out and not have to rely on a display monitor. But on the other hand, like you said, you can really refine your shots a lot quicker because you can catch them before you get your dailies two days later to then go, oh, actually, uh, that uh, that didn't work out too well. And you can't change it, but at least with the immediate digital you can. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting things about film. And, you know, I know some people still, some film directors are very adamant to shoot on film still, which is fair enough. But, um, you know, for your respect, I, I guess you prefer to shoot digital now? There's still people riding horses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um, no, it's it's. Um, I mean, the, the advantages are many. The, the most wonderful thing is you don't have to go to bloody dailies anymore. I mean, mm. um, the younger people will not ever have participated in working. You know, maybe up to sixteen, but at least twelve hours a day, and then spend two hours. Involved in driving somewhere, mm. looking at the this material, and then having meetings afterwards. You know, at, at the end of what is a hectic and, and uh, draining day, it, it was not the best way to end the day ever. Mm. Uh, and uh, and and that's that's fantastic, of course. But and and it's it's it it the digital let us tell stories that we couldn't have told before. Mm. I mean, that's and that's my answer to the. People who say, "What about the effects?" and I say, "Well, it, you know, without the effects, we couldn't have shot Narnia, mm. uh, you know, or, or yeah. yeah." And how much better we could have done Predator uh, if we had to go back and uh, it may not have been better, but it would have would have been a little more far more elaborate. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a it's interesting what digital has bought because it's bought the you know the freedom. But with that freedom also came this this uh, limitless way of doing things, and you know some obviously some films really suffer from that <laughs> because they just go a bit too overboard. Um, so there's, I guess, it's a fine balance. And at the end of the day, like you were saying about doing small films, sometimes that's more important to actually make these little films that tell a great yeah. story. I mean, an interesting observation was uh, on a recent thing I worked on when I. Uh, a Gong Four was um, the Lambs of God. Oh yes, you yeah. probably haven't seen that. Not yet, but um, I, I, it's on Foxtel. It, so. it, 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 it was on uh, uh, Foxtel for a yeah, while yeah. now. It's, it's just been released in the states. Um, and um, Jeffrey Walker, the director, basically uh, insisted that I be director of photography on it. And I, I had a suspicion the production resented having to have a non-operating director of photography on on a film. Mm. But in actual fact, three days in, you could see the whole change in their attitude in that <clears throat> to have somebody there to actually do so much advance work, so much judgment and and basically save them so much time mm. uh, uh, from their point of view and give them a product that they particularly liked. You know, it, it, was, it was 
quite a revelation to see their their, their adaption to to that uh, that thing, and and, and um, we ended up. It's probably some of the best uh, best work I've done mm. uh, on, on that project, and uh, I'm, I'm exceedingly proud of it. And, and uh, I uh, just hope it uh, gets a nice wide audience in the states on, on release. Yeah. And of course, this, you know, this that's the whole new world now. Yeah. Um, uh, streaming. Mm. You know, I, I, I've, I've anticipated years ago that cinemas would change mm. dramatically. I think cinema will end up being like live theatre now, a, uh, a, um, uh, for, it'll be for uh, a rather elite, uh, sophisticated uh, audience interested in, in the past uh, films and, and, and cinema as it used to be. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I, I think as a, as a sort of a mainstream thing, all, all that audiences will eventually end up streaming. Mm. I mean, the truly interesting thing is without, well, I can promote them now because they don't sell them anymore in this country. Uh, I, I, I recently acquired a Panasonic OLED 65-inch oh, yes. monitor. And I'm looking at all my old films on it, and I'm seeing them better than I ever saw them in a cinema. Mm. Uh, the colours are, 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 even at this stage, the colours are stronger, uh, uh, richer, the details stronger. The everything's everything's better uh, mm. because you know projection first of all has a massive limitation. Uh, particularly front projection uh, uh, of, of brightness range, you, you just can't get a black on on a screen with front protection. You know, it's just one of the rules of you know, optics. Uh, mm. And uh, um, you know, this 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 to me was was a real affirmation of what I believed uh, to be the case. And it, it's 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 wonderful to go back and see something like. You know, break them around mm. in absolute rich colours, solid blacks, and uh, it, it's like I've never ever seen it ever projected before. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting the, the the change in the in the way, and you know, with the the world of uh, cinema as well. Like today, the you, you, like you said, it might have to become a very specialised way of projecting films and and. You know, because it's yeah, like you said, there's so much people streaming, YouTubing, you know, all all that thing, and and yeah, the technology at home is is better. I mean, even projection at home is better. Like I've got a projector that I watch movies on because I, you know, yeah. I can put it away. But it it the image and the color I get out of that is way better than a lot of times I've been to the cinemas. So even yeah. even just that already shows that the cinemas. If they were to survive, they need to really up their game and offer a really premium experience, which they don't. Well, I mean, the only thing they add, of course, is is fantastic sound. Mm. Uh, at the moment, some um, really good cinema with sound is 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 is, is quite an experience. Yes, <clears throat> but people say, but you know, don't you miss the crowds in the cinema? 
yes, you do miss the crowds in the cinema. You you, you go to a cinema now. <laughs> if there's two rows filled in the whole theatre, it it's a uh, it's a crowd. You mm. know, there's there's, there's um, I I haven't I haven't been to a, a full cinema in in years. I mean, mm. that, it just hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously now with the. Uh... These new restrictions, it's uh, who knows, <laughs> it's all gonna happen. Every, there's gonna be every other seat's gonna be always empty because that's the way they set it up, you know. So, who knows? And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And so, in your lifetime of working, I mean, it's it's what 50 years now, basically, working as a, as a cinematographer. Yeah, what are some of the things you've really seen? change in, in that period between say when you you know in the 80s to now i guess as, as far as the industry itself um it's amazing how little has changed uh behind the camera mm. you know on, on, a, on a production um i mean uh, um particularly up until the you know, what five years ago uh, pre uh, pre digital, it 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 remained incredibly constant. Um, stylistically, the films have become uh, the cameras become a lot freer, mm. um, of course, and um, the effects now, as I said, like have just let us make films we couldn't make before, but. The sort of pattern of work still r- remains the same. The producer's up there pretending, you know, that he's got no money. Uh, you know, uh, the directors, you know, they're you know directing the, the the talent. He's trying to explain to me what he wants. Um, you know, the grips and the lighting. You know, they've just got more elaborate equipment to play with, but uh, still all doing the same thing. Uh, and, the, you know, the, the wonderful thing about the industry and from, it's in, at, at all levels is that it's the joke, but it's the truth. Every job is your last job if you don't do it well. Mm. You know, I mean, nobody's going to invite you back because you didn't. Um, and a just adequate job on this film. Mm. Uh, and the other great thing about the film industry is that uh, you're never there long enough to start to form uh, cliques and little power groups. Mm. Uh, great thing is you, no matter what's going on on the film set, you know that the bucket is going to be empty one day and they're going to send you home. There's no more money. Hmm. Goodbye, good luck. Uh, we've finished the film. Uh, so it's, it's that, it, 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 you know, the joke is that the two great days on a movie are the first and the last. Hmm. But it's far more than a joke. It's, 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 it's a, there's a truth to both of them that, uh, you know, and, 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 of course, we're offered such a, uh, a, a vast, Experience of uh, a variety of, of of work, of location to do it, uh, of story to tell. You know, it's it's just uh, it's it. 
it, it's been 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 a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, yeah, career I basically fell into, and uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm uh, uh, very pleased that it did happen. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's it's been wonderful, and so. With, um, I guess, the current situation in Australia where, you know, like, I guess I'm sort of starting out in the film industry, even even though I kind of went back and forward. So it seems that there, there seems to be less and less money, but more demand for, for content. So, you know, this, this issue in Australia, I, I don't know if you'll sort of see that. Like, what are your thoughts on this idea that we're, you know, we're not really putting as much money into films because I guess they don't make much money in Australia. Obviously in Hollywood, it's a different story, but, um, you know, and what are your thoughts on, especially now with this pandemic occurring, how's, what's your feelings on all this? Well, you know, the, the terrible truth is that, uh, the audience the audience we've got in Australia is absolute minimal to sustain mm. a, 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 a motion picture industry. Mm. Um, it's it's less it's more valid for a television audience. You know, if you're going for a television audience, mm. uh, but that of course implies um, a whole cost cost problem mm. uh, we're competing against you know in truth um, almost the whole world irrespective of what language they speak yeah uh, with with English we're, we're competing almost against the whole world mm. uh, of uh, and it you know it, it it's you know it, it it's, it's fantastic the government support and you know the the first film I've worked on, The Adventures of Barry McKenzie, mm. was totally financed by a film bank. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, if I wouldn't have got that break, then probably I wouldn't have got any break. Mm. Um, who knows? But, um, you know, so it, it's, I, I, I think there is a very strong argument for having. Uh, Government support for the film industry, um, and um, you know it, it gets gets a bit grey when they start to finance American productions here on the basis of mm. employing crew. But I think accountants can argue that mm. uh, I, I'm not qualified. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it's a real it's a real question for me. Uh, you know. And you know, the other question I've got is, uh, and I've never got a figure for this, but uh, we've we're developing or have developed a sort of film bureaucracy, mm. and I'm just wondering how much money is being spent on that film bureaucracy. I'm probably the only guy in a country old enough to be stupid enough to, to comment on that sort of thing, but uh, the uh, uh, you know that 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 worries me a bit. How more and more entrenched. You know, every state's got its own film board. Every mm. the, the federal's got its film board. 
they've all got these boards and they're they're all they're all costing money that could go into production. Now, yeah. I'll, they, the, the board people will tell you straight away, well, it wouldn't go into productions if we weren't here. Mm. It's true. But it, I, I think the equation is sort of got a bit lopsided. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the feeling, you know, I, I have just from the outside of it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a tough call, but, yeah, that, that makes it hard. And, and I wish we had more tangible figures to base our argument on Yeah, because we might be wrong. Yeah. They, they, they might be consuming, you know, 5% of the budget, which I think would be marvellous if they were mm. uh, going to film, but I have a feeling that the five might have something going with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's I, it. I, and it's I don't I don't know, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. I, I haven't haven't got the the um, the figures to to uh, work it out. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, that's interesting. And what do you know if Lambs of God was uh, funded or for like government funded or was it? I, I uh, I'm sure there were small funds in, but it was basically financed. By Foxtel. Okay. It, it, and it, it was interesting that um, two other things. Uh, we had a budget uh, about three or four times your average four one hour episodes. Mm. And that that really showed. And, it, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons we, we uh, took out all the awards we did. Mm. Uh, and uh, it. Um, yeah, and it had the one director. Mm. This the one big fault, one big fault I see endlessly with um, streaming. Uh, you know, six or eight episode special things they run. You know, which are, which are quite good. Mm. Is the unevenness as it switches from director to director? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it really, it really, you know, I. Um, uh, and and it it's yeah there's there's just um, you're just watching it and you say this this isn't the next episode of what I saw last time it's it's it's, it's different and uh, and and of course uh, on Lambs of God we just had the one director mm. and and I think that 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 was uh, as as much as any. Anything it's key to its success mm. is it had a unity all the way through it, and yep. uh, I, I, I really do find you know the, these 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 other things with uh, what do they call the producer who's supposed to showrunner, isn't it? Oh, showrunner, uh, that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, that it's it's in most cases it's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say it because especially the the type of appetite that the audience have today and the type of yeah films we produce are not episodic anymore they're essentially a 10-hour movie so you kind of yeah. you kind of need to have that singular vision to go all the way through yeah. because if you switch it up yeah, it's, it, yeah. it can falter um so yeah and it's interesting because i did talk to a, a few other dps in my previous episodes where um you know they were the the constant in the production because they had every every two episodes a new director so it's interesting that as a DP, they they kind of had to maintain the try to maintain the feeling of the show more or less more yeah. or less than the director. <laughs> so that's... yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean that. Yeah, that's. 
I don't know the way about it. Maybe just take a little bit more time to to shoot it so you can have the one director. I, yeah. I just can't see why. I, I can't see why the one director can't go through the lot. Mm. It's, it's, I, I know they're supposed to be out preparing, but I don't know how much they prepare. And it's it's it's, it's a problem. What what happens? Yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a big challenge for you know future, the future as well in in a way that the type of audiences we have because they binge watch shows. So are they really actively watching the entire show, or or they're just kind of keeping themselves entertained? You know, and you're producing you know this content of you know amazing stories, but are people really taking it in anymore? You know, like that's where cinema was wonderful because you go there and generally you're not distracted by things and you just watch yeah. that movie but today a lot of people are just consuming content and i don't know how actively just like music people now put it in the background they don't really listen to it as much so that's the other challenge and if you don't pay or don't pay much for it you don't value it <laughs> yes exactly there's that too so 13 bucks a month for netflix you know and you're watching these high-end productions you don't really see you. You almost expect that quality, and you're like, yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> doesn't cost thirteen bucks. <laughs> oh, jeez. And uh, so for you, you've uh, you're in your eighties now. What what is it that keeps you keep keep you going to keep making films? Um. Well, fortunately, I've had amazingly good health. You know, I've, mm. I've, I've got the energy. Yeah. Um, why do I keep doing it? Mm. Um. Because I enjoy it. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing it. Uh, I, I obviously don't go from one job to another, and I, I spread them well out. Uh, and I obviously don't get the offers that I used to do. Uh, but um, it's um, I, I get enough. Um, I still decline of uh, a, a fair amount because of. I'm just not really interested in the subject matter, or, mm. or to be honest, the director occasionally. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's it. I, I just keep doing it. Um, I have a slight sense of guilt that I'm stealing work from you, young guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to do our you, bit too. You, you, you'll, you'll 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 be in that position one day if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So looking back at your films you've shot, do you have anyone that holds a special place in your heart? There's two of them. Um, the one you may not have seen called The Getting of Wisdom. No. Which I've... was the first, in a way, well, it was a very early Australian film, and it was the first time I had a chance to shoot uh, a story that was inherently about beauty, about young girls, right, uh, in, in a... Uh, a young ladies' academy in Melbourne, and uh, and that 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 was a great excitement to realise that I could do more than tell a story. I could add a lot to the story with my cinematography. Yeah. And and of course, the other one was the most I'd say successful film at many levels, and that was Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, um, that I, I, I actually saw that in a remote city in Canada when I was up there shooting a story about bears uh, 
and uh, the, the audience was packed with teenagers and was deafening before the, before the and I'm, I'm just cringing, I'm saying this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> These kids are just going to scream and jump all through this damn thing. And I'd not seen it in the cinema before that. I, I just was really first release. And uh, anyway, first scene comes up, finishes, and the audience was absolutely quiet and paid full attention. And I, I rem- my mind then flashed back to maybe 18 months before we're driving through Mexico looking for locations and and Baz said, you know, I'm, I'm making this film for a 12-year-old girl in my mind. She's, mm. she's whom I'm actually making this film for. And all the 12 and whatever else year old girls and boys who were in that audience got it. Just shut up and, and listen. And mm. you know, all you heard was the occasional weep, weeping going on. And, and then I realised this is, is an amazing movie that mm. if it can do that, and it did it. Mm. And it still does. It's actually, you know, it's valid. It's one of those films which would, will be as valid, you know, in 100 years from now as it was the day it was released. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, those are the two films I, I really do uh, look back with something. Yeah, fantastic. And is there, is there a film that you like watching that, that not of your own, but like something that you've always enjoyed watching? And, and... Oh, everyone else's work's crap. You know? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Oh, um, no, 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 no. Fantastic cinematographers out there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. But, it's too many. And, you know, it's some great, wonderful films. But, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually not a great film buff. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm ignorant, but I'm just one step above. <laughs> of, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't study it as, as a, a subject in any way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. I, I'm, I'm, I consider myself uh, a general audience. Yeah, yeah. And if I ever look at the cinematography on a film, I know it's a piece of crap. Yeah, that's that's sort of my my rule. If if, the, if the film is, <laughs> yeah, if you've noticed the cinematography, <laughs> the film's finished. It's a uh, yeah. It's not done its job, yeah. so because yeah, yeah, no. I get that I get you know occasionally art, people that don't work in the industry. Oh, you must watch it all the time just for the, you know, the cinematography and the filmmaking. I'm like, no, well, if I do, that means it's a bad movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, isn't it? Oh, there you go. Well, that's uh, that's been fantastic to ha- chat to you, and a real pleasure for me because I've been a huge fan of your work. Been real pleasure to have you chat to us. Well, that was awesome having uh, Don to speak to me and uh, and share a few little things about his life working in the film industry, both in Hollywood and in Australia. So I hope you've got a little bit out of it as well. And so coming up in the near future, I'm getting back to work, luckily. So don't have any upcoming episodes yet. But uh, yeah, you know, keep subscribe and uh, it will pop up on your feed when, when it does. And I'll let people know. And I hope you've all, um, who are filmmakers specifically, but 
anyone who's listening to this that you know during this um, lockdown and covid virus everyone's health has been good and uh, hopefully you'll get back to work as well soon so thank you again for listening and talk to you soon